This week's festive intro music is Jingle Bells from A Christmas Jazz Suite by Bill Holcomb, performed on a full set of TJ flutes by the fabulous Barry Griffiths. This podcast is also kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by visiting them at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello there. Hello, 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 hello. I've just done too many hellos. Hello there and welcome this week to Talking Flutes. And it is a Talking Flutes. I know I've started this, um, but Claire is not joining me from the same room today. She's actually down in Hove, in the beautiful Hove in East Sussex, and I'm in Tunbridge Wells in my home. And the reason we're not together is you know by now that Claire has this love of playing golf. And is actually really, really good at it. So she's always been sort of teasing me in a very sort of slight and quiet way about how golf is important for flute players. And it's also important for your mental health. So I've been taking golf lessons the last few weeks and had my first disastrous round this morning with my son. Can I say, Claire, before we begin this podcast, and happy Christmas to you, um, that thank you for getting me involved in probably the hardest thing I've ever done, not only physically, but what goes on in your, in your head. So thank you for this wonderful Christmas present. Well, you're very welcome, John Paul. And um, I can't wait for us to get together in person and have a game where I can thrash you. <laughs> 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 and you will do. You will do. It is such a hard game. But uh, anyway, as I said, happy Christmas to you, Claire. And um, Thank you. Happy Christmas to you. And uh, I think we'll go straight into it. Can I just be- begin by reading out uh, an email that's come in from, he doesn't give his surname, but it's Wolfgang, oh, Wolfgang Hubert in Germany. Uh, who's sent in a rather delightful email and will probably lead us into how we're going to uh, slightly alter the podcast setup for next year. And But hello, Claire and Jean-Paul. I'm an adult blind flutist, not a professional one. I play at church services, weddings and funerals and teach as well. I recently discovered talking flutes and will certainly have questions. But first, I have to listen to all of them first, in case my questions have already been answered. To me, Talking Flutes is the most useful and inspiring flute podcast ever. Anyway, he goes on to say, here is my wish list for the moment. Number one, don't stop. I'd imagine that's don't stop making them rather than JP, stop talking. Number two, don't worry about the length of episodes. I could listen for hours. Number three, and this is an interesting one, please always ask interview partners about their flute brands and what they play and why they like it. I know it's the flutist that plays beautifully or in tune, but nevertheless, there is something worth knowing about every flute. I I would agree with that. If not yet done, please can you do an episode on alternative fingerings? Well, that's going to come up later today I believe so uh, um, as this might not be easy to explain in audio podcast but as a blind flutist I prefer to get this information from an audio podcast 
rather than a video podcast. And he ends it by giving us his flutes. So he has a Yamaha 411, which is 35 years old, but still in good shape. A Hamig Mezzo, a handmade head joint B-foot with closed holes, and a Senkyo 401 with an RT1 head joint. And that's Take Care, Wolfgang. What a lovely email to receive. That's fantastic. And, and thank you, Wolfgang. That's, it's so lovely to hear. Um, and yes, we're going to um, cover it later today about alternative fingerings. But I'm just a bit worried about, about him because he's going to have to listen to almost 200 them to catch up. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the other downside is that he'll learn a lot from yours and he'll have, all he has to do, Wolfgang, all you've got to do is fast forward. If you get a Talking Flutes extra, just fast forward it. <laughs> onto Claire's talking flutes because that's when you'll learn real things well I don't know about that because you speak to so many interesting people from all over the world so you know just just pick pick them up pick and choose and um have fun with them that's that's great so we've received lots of questions which I've been collating and um should we dive in Claire yes please do Right, number one, and it's from Frederick Hamilton. The Frederick was spelt with a K, so I would assume that is sort of German or Austrian. He says, I'll not have much time to practice for five days over the Christmas season. I have to visit relatives. So how do I keeping my lips in shape if I only have 15 minutes each day? Yeah, well, firstly, I'd say that, you know, five days having a break is no bad thing either. So I think we say this... Uh, regularly that you know it's good to have some time off and not to worry about it so much but if we go uh, and think about the 50 minutes a day I think there are three areas you have to think about that's lips fingers and brain so in terms of lips things to do with your your keeping your lips flexible keeping the sound going fingers keep the moving and in terms of brain I mean it could be uh, practical in terms of playing tunes so you actually have something lovely to listen to or it could be some sort of positive self-affirmation for yourself you know to just keep you thinking positively about things rather than negative I mean if you do 50 minutes a day and that's your target and you do it you give yourself a pat on the back fantastic I don't nobody should beat themselves up if they haven't had time to do practice certainly over you know the the, the seasonal time of the year so in terms of the three areas, so you can pack in so much in a short space of time, you know, and, you know, five minutes of great practice is far better than an hour of wandering. So in terms of lips, if you think about doing something like some bending notes just to get to keep flexible, some harmonics, some long tones, but maybe more importantly in the long notes to try and think about vowel shapes to try and change the sounds and the colours, just investigate, experiment a little bit, because making different sounds on the flute keeps you so much more interesting and you know just by trying to change the vowel shapes you are being more flexible more creative so it's, and it's all good for for your overall training and then in terms of fingers maybe something like some sequential sort of work like Tafelagoba scales or sequences i've got a book sequentials you know something with a little pattern that you can change the, the speed, the, the key, the articulation, the rhythms. Also good are the, the racket daily exercises, the Macar daily exercise are fabulous. So something like that, just to keep the fingers working 
I keep them flexible, just like the lip work. And then tunes to play something absolutely beautiful to give yourself a lift. And that links into this positive self-affirmation for yourself. So beautiful tunes. And there you are, sorted. You make it sound so easy, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I remember you saying on a previous podcast that you used to take your flute on holiday with you and looking back. And I suppose with the benefit of hindsight, taking a break would have been, as you said, would have been so much more important to free your mind and to take in other experiences in life. Yeah, and you come back so refreshed. You know, the, I mean, the only thing is, if you've got sort of concerts or, or something happening in, in early in the new year, then obviously you've got to keep something going. I mean, the, the times when I took my flute on holiday were the times when I had something happening soon afterwards. And, and that makes it a little bit more difficult. But I always remember never quite switching off and almost not hating the experience, but feeling a bit aggrieved that I couldn't relax as much as everybody else because I still had to practice. My dad had the same feeling at college when I used to come home after each semester and, and I had to keep working, keep practicing, when everybody else who'd come back from university just stopped. So it's something you've got to get your head around. It took me quite a few years to give myself permission to take time off. And that's really important. I used to say to my students that rather than spend time feeling guilty about not having done enough practice, actually give yourself a timetable maybe for the week. It doesn't have to be anything complicated, just something quite simple. But, you know, if you're going to say, if you practice for two hours in the morning, you're going to have the afternoon free to go and do something like walk around the park or go and and meet friends or go shopping. And that the fact that you've planned your practice earlier and you've done it, makes you feel much better about the time off you have have later. So it's when you can see that sort of almost written down, it makes it much easier, much better for your, for your mental health, really. I think whatever you decide to do, Frederick, is you've got to sign up for it yourself. So if you're, if you're going to take five days off, sign up for it, embrace it, and look forward with excitement to coming back to practising. If you're going to play 15 minutes, as Claire says, sign up for that. Know what you're going to be doing in that 15 minutes and make the most. Nice wisdom, Claire. Did you used to say the same to your students at the academy? What, about taking time? About taking time off, yes. Right. Because, I don't know, there was, there's a, there's, in conservatoires, there's a lot of pressure mm. and there's a lot of competition. And you could see sometimes some students really struggling with, with keeping up and you know, feeling so bad about, you know, if they had a cold and they couldn't practice, um, that they've lost track, they've lost ground and they, they won't keep up, they won't be able to make up. And then it's important to say, look, if you're not feeling well or you need a break, you take it because that in itself is far healthier than, than ploughing on. And what better than to take the Christmas season to take some time out, refresh if you've got family or you're meeting lots of friends, just chilling. And then, as you say, come back with renewed enthusiasm for this sideways blowing tube, which is what you're studying on. So, yeah, enjoy yourself, Frederick, and uh, have a happy Christmas, sir. All right, should we move to number two by Janet Deluc? So, again, I don't know if it's France or Canada, but um, do you have any favourite flute tracks to listen to over the festive season? And if so, what are they? This is quite tricky because um, (laughs) the tracks tracks aren't necessarily seasonal, but more inspirational. Yes. There's one album that I play a lot of, and it does tend to be 
more at, at Christmas time. And, and that is the, the William Boyce symphonies. Really? Uh, yeah, William Boyce symphonies. There are quite a few of them. And I've got a recording where Wibb is playing. William Bennett is the flute player. I th- it might be the ECO, but I, I just can't remember now. Um, it, it could also be the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields. It's on modern instruments. It's not on historical instruments. And it is the most fantastic recording. The flute playing is just fabulous and it's it's so calming soothing relaxing tuneful so that's 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 one um album i listen to um i also listen to there's a couple of other uh web recordings i do listen to and that's his his uh bach g minor concerto which yeah. is originally harpsichord yeah. Got you. where his, his middle movement he did in one take and it's just stunning and it's uh, there's a lot to be said when when artists record without editing. There's something could be could be quite magical about that. And when you have very overly edited recordings, you lose some of that magic. So if anyone's listening, slightly off topic now, but if you're going to be doing a recording, try your hardest to do it in one, rather and not worry about odd things that happen because. Sometimes there is something much more engaging, and I said more magical, sort of a bit of the X factor in your recording when you don't chop it around and keep um, editing bits. So um, that's Wibb's G minor concerto, and also his suite in B minor. Now that was with ECO, the English Chamber Orchestra. Uh, he recorded it many, many years ago, so it must be 50, 40, 50 years ago, I don't know. It was a long time ago. And it's not particularly authentic in terms of style, but who cares? Because it is just stunning. Um, Again, it's just most beautiful listening. Um, And uh, I remember being, um, I've just remembered this. I was on holiday about 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago. And I was doing bear boating in the Caribbean, would you believe? It was like a a very special holiday for my husband. We were with another couple. We were sailing from St. Lucia in the Caribbean to Martinique. And it feels like you're in just in the middle of the ocean. And you've got, you can't, at one point you can't see anything. And we listened to Bach's B minor suite with whip playing in the middle of, of the Pacific. Oh, if it's wow. the Pacific, I can't remember. Um, sailing from St. Lucia to Martinique, and it was fabulous. So when you hear that recording, you're, you're, you think about that time on the boat, don't you? Brings it back, absolutely, absolutely. It's just just fantastic. So, yes, uh, and of course, the only other album I haven't mentioned, I guess it's a very old one, maybe, again, could be 40 years old, and that's to James's Songs for Annie. Oh, yes. You remember that from years and years ago? Now, that is so, it's an old album, but full of the most gorgeous tunes. Absolutely stunning. So it's it's one of my absolute classic albums that I go to. If you want cheering up, go and listen to Songs for Annie. Great for Christmas. Or showpieces, if you want to do something that's going to blow you away. The album Showpieces, again, very old, isn't it? Showpieces, yeah, absolutely. Showpieces is brilliant. Both of those, you know, I, I listen to I listen to both of those. I can never get tired of them. 
Jimmy at his absolute best, you know, lovely crossover music. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could play he could play anything. Just absolutely brilliant. So that's my. How about yours, JP? Can I tell you the truth about the Christmas period? Well, you always tell me the truth. Okay. I will, I'll be running as far away from the sound of a flute as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear it most days. And uh, I just, for me, I mean, if I hear a flute, no, no doubt I will listen to, as I always do every Christmas, I'll listen to La Boheme, but an old recording with the Berlin Phil and Carrie Ann and Pavarotti in um, Sutherland. And Jimmy's the flute player in the orchestra. It is so obvious. There's one, there's one part in it where this huge, great flute sound soars above everybody else's, and you know that's Jimmy's. So I will, I will, I will always listen to that. But for me, I sadly won't have any flutes going on in my house. I think actually this year, what will be happening a lot is Adele's new album. Do you think so? That's yeah, that's going to be the thing that's going to be playing mostly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not with a, all her others. Yeah. We're all great. We're all great fans. Yeah. Uh, I think in our house at the moment it seems to be Abba and Coldplay. <laughs> not my kids, I must add. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. So no, I will not be listening unless I have to any flute tracks. However, I'm sure Claire's given you some some nice little testers there but you can always just go onto youtube and um sort out uh, a flute player you want to listen to and there's so much up there isn't there from uh, all the famous flute players from Pahud to buryakov to as you say wib from to sir james galway paul Edmund davis they're all up there right Andy. number three and you've already given me a, a heads up on this and it is from a hattie james uh, do you have a recording of you playing the beautiful sweet antique, Claire? And if you do, can you play some for us, as it is one of my favourites? I've only got recorded uh, two movements, the aria and the ostinato. So we're going to play those, aren't we, I think? We are. Which one should we play now? And which one should we actually play to leave the podcast with? Um, well, let's let's play the aria first and then the ostinato to, to finish with. Um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about Rutter and, and the work. So Rutter, is, he's English. He conducts, he edits, he arranges, and he also produces. His compositions, most people have heard his choral compositions. That's what he's most well known for. His music has been in two royal weddings. He's very, very popular. And he, he writes in, in a mixture of styles of, of classical and crossover, very eclectic style. But I don't think he's as celebrated as much as he should be, but uh, it's fabulous music. Now, way back about 40 years ago, I'm trying to think of the, of the, of the date. It might be something like 1979 that's, that's popping into my head. Um, he was commissioned to write um, an instrumental piece for a festival in, in England. And in the programme was the as Bach's Brandenburg Concerto Number no. 5, and which has flute, obviously, as, as a solo instrument, along with violin, harpsichord, and strings. So he thought, I'll use the same instrumentation, but feature the flute as soloist. So there are, in the actual Sweet Antique, there are six movements, and it's a Baroque and classical styles, but, but also with a little bit of a contemporary twist. Um, and Rutter always said he wanted to pay homage to the style of Bach, because Bach was in the rest of the programme. So let's talk about the aria. 
absolutely wonderful melody. I mean, Russell writes fabulous melodies. I suppose in a way you could say that the aria is most closely resembling a piece of bark. It sounds like a piece of bark. And it's it's very calm, it's very tranquil, uh, cantabile. It's got a beautiful singing, expressive line. And the, the most important thing, I think, when you play it is to try and keep this serene, very calm mood. So that something very, very gentle about it. So in terms of how you think about how you phrase it and how you use your vibrato, very subtle. So as not to disturb this most exquisite melody line. And the only other, the only other thing is interesting how your breathing needs to change to help reflect this mood. And then in the ostinato, your breathing changes again to reflect that mood. But in here, in the aria, to make your breathing as, as quiet as possible, you have to feel the mood in order to communicate. And that starts with relaxed and controlled breathing. So should we... Take a listen to you playing the aria. And who's your accompanist on this recording? This is Tim Carey. Right, so this is Claire playing the Rutter's Sweet Antique, the aria, with Tim Carey on the piano.
Uh, it's such a beautiful piece, Claire, that, isn't it? It is so beautiful, so wonderful. And he just has, he's a genius when it comes to sort of the orchestration, sort of putting the, the notes underneath that, that just sort of melt the melody within the composition. Yeah, he's an absolute genius, really, really is. Um, and, uh, and beautiful playing, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Beautiful. One of my favourite fav favorite pieces. All right, so we move on to the, the second movement, um, the ostinato. Sure. Now, the actual word is an Italian word for being stubborn and obstinate. <laughs> and, um, and in music, it's, it's related to a, a phrase which is repeated and each note carrying the same stress or weight. So the, the, the repetition is either um, in a rhythmic pattern or part of a tune or part of a complete phrase. In what Roger's done, he's marked the, the, the time signature as six, eight and three, four. So they've got six quavers and he either groups them into groups of two or groups of three. And that really helps the energy and the excitement. It's got so much energy, it's sort of, it drives forward because of the because of the rhythms. So it's it's great fun, very short. Actually, should we not let's not tease the listeners and make them wait till the end. Should we play it again? Should we play this okay. now? So this yep. is this is Claire once again playing the Sweet Antique, the Ostinato, with Tim Carey on the piano. such an uplifting piece Claire yeah it, it is it's it's the most it's it's as I keep saying a fabulous piece everyone should play it he obviously he transcribed it for flute and piano mm -hmm. uh, if you ever get the chance to play it in the original version do I, I remember had had a lovely performance in one of the flute conventions playing with fabulous string string players it's uplifting it's really fabulous so I hope that was I hope that met your satisfaction, Hattie. And let's move on to number three. Favourite podcast of the year. Now, this is going to be a bit hard um, because favourite, we can see which one's the favourite from the listeners by view of the downloads. So I'm not going to say which ones are the most popular, but I think which one of the ones you liked doing, Claire? 
this is this is quite tricky because it doesn't mean if we don't mention <laughs> no no that they're not favorite i have to say i've enjoyed speaking to everybody this year yeah and i also enjoy just doing the the ones where i talk about a particular um technique or interpretation or 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 topic flute topic because it's important to get information out there and so that not so easy to listen to where it's just me rabbiting on but it's important information but i'm going to talk about of my favorites being the people i've spoken to now i spoke to two of our greatest female flutists this year uh sue milan and atara bentoven what i loved about them was the ease of their chats which it just flowed effortlessly uh full of of advice great stories and i could listen to them all day i mean all i had to do was was mention something a topic or ask them a question and off they'd go and i'm talking to both of them again in 2022 with atara um we're going to be talking about english music because there are so many fantastic pieces and not very well known so with her we're going to go through she's got such a collection of most wonderful english works and with susan i wanted to talk to her about her recordings she's recorded so many pieces had a lot of pieces uh, written for her you know icons of the music world and i just loved letting them letting them talk and hearing all their words of advice and their their memories and and stories and then the other two were two contemporary flute players elizabeth walker and patricia nagel also our chat flowed without any effort whatsoever i loved hearing patricia talk about moving from the security of the united states to france i mean how brave was that when she was very young she up sticks left everything that was of her life in the states moved to france and threw herself into learning and then working there so terribly brave and she carved out the most wonderful career for herself and then also to hear her talk about the french flute school the influences and the characters just fascinating so also i'm talking to patricia again in 2022 because there was so much that we didn't get a chance to cover and then liz walker I think Liz is probably the easiest person to talk to. <laughs> she is so bubbly, so full of enthusiasm and and a love for everything fluty. So much knowledge, especially about baroque performances and historical flutes. Now, with Liz, I'm going to also do something new for 2022. Um we're calling it Food for Thought with Claire and Liz. And we're going to talk about specialist topic topics. as a little extra for our podcast. So it just might be a a 2 minute or 5 minutes to 10 minute little little section. And I'd like to say if any listeners would like us to chat about a particular topic, then do get in touch. You know, we've, we've got our Facebook page Talking Flutes, Twitter, Instagram @flute or @clairflute. Do send in your 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 thoughts and your ideas and any ideas on topics. It might be just something that we chat together about uh single tonguing or playing scales or baroque ornamentation like could just be one 2 minute chat might be long actually on a podgeturas who knows 
you know, just uh, little little nuggets of information, and we'll see how that goes. So that's mine, JP. What about yours? Well, you've actually nicked some of mine because I I think I mentioned before we we get we press the record button that I loved the Patricia Nagel, I loved the Liz Walker, obviously Liz Walker, and that was a very very popular one, and. If if I'm gonna if I'm gonna look at the ones that I've enjoyed, I again I've enjoyed speaking to everybody and people who listen to mine know that I have a laugh and uh, I don't take myself too seriously. So in that respect, I loved speaking to Jose Valentino and Giovanni Perez and my old partners in crime over in the US that you know we like to have a lot of fun with. The one the recent ones that I've really enjoyed is the one is the iTunes one with Fluta Scooter when we spoke about uh, meditate, the composition of meditation tracks and how she's writing music that is going to be uh, surround sound, space, well, not surround sound, but like 4D, which is going to be really, really interesting. Ariana Piknach, the wonderful flute player from Serbia, whose music was used at the end of The Simpsons. So that was great. But I, the most fascinating for me, where I actually shut up, which is unusual, I know, Claire, and Claire's nodding if you're not <laughs> listening to this on yes, uh, watching this. Yes, um, was with a wonderful Cambridge professor. And his name is Dr. Domenico Vincenanza. And he is, oh, he's just a genius. He's a Cambridge prof, plays the flute, and he creates music using data gained from nature. So every sound, so if, if you'd go in the garden and put a microphone out, it would create sounds and that sounds could be transferred into data and then that data can be transferred into notes and then a composition can be, could be made on that. And he spoke during his podcast about putting microphones into volcanoes and listening to mud pots and, and how you, it, going to CERN and composing music based on the discovery of Higgs boson. I didn't have the foggiest what he was talking about most of the time, but it just sounded fantastic. <laughs> so, Dom. It, I must say, it was fascinating. It was a fascinating one and very unusual. And we need, we need these sorts of podcasts, JP. You know, we, we need a little bit of everything. We do. Um, and I know Dom listens to this. So thank you, Dom. I am going to be going up in the not too distant future because I'm taking lots of flutes up and he's going to put them through the spectronometer, you know, the spectral registers. So we're going to look at how the wavelengths change depending on which flute you're playing. And we're just going to experiment, which I think has been really fun. So um, I've enjoyed speaking to everyone, Claire, but I think Dom was the one that made me shut up for the most. <laughs> And before we finish, Claire, uh, giving yourself permission to enjoy Christmas. Because let's face it, we do have to give ourselves permission to enjoy Christmas because there's a lot of guilt afterwards. Oh, I ate too much. I had a little bit too much to drink. But come on, it's only a few days. Yeah, I think we covered this a little bit in the first question. You know, it's, it's good to have some time off and to go and do something different. Enjoy family, friends, eating, drinking. Um, whatever festival you might uh, celebrate, uh, a little bit of time off, enjoy yourself. And I can't really add to that apart from, again, enjoying yourselves, but use it as a way of just sort of offloading. In other words, try and just not engage your brain and just sort of not worry about things. Just sort of take each day as it comes. Enjoy company if you can. I know sometimes Christmas is stressful for some people, 
But if it's, that's the case, then just try and take yourself away, read a nice book, watch something on TV, and do what Claire does over Christmas. A puzzle. I take it you've purchased yours this year, Claire? Of course, I've got mine already, yes. <laughs> I've got, I've, I always get a 2,000 piece because we've got a big coffee table, so it goes on there. And it's a sort of an, an abstract depiction of Cinderella. Very different this year. Wow. So it's got Cinderella, it's got carriages, it's got horses, it's got, it's, it's abstract. Lots of, lots of colours, mostly gold. It's going to be tricky. And how, how are you going to do that? See, I've got little Bedlington Terry and I can't have a jigsaw anywhere near here because she'd destroy it, probably eat it. You've got three dogs. How are you going to keep them away from the table? Yeah, well, I, I now have three dogs. Yes, you do. Um, You've introduced we, a third one. We have now three retrievers. Uh, those of you who listen a lot will, will have heard them. We have Pete, <laughs> yes. who got retrievers. Pete, who's 11, we've had from a puppy. Uh, Minnie, who's probably about six. She's a rescue from Turkey. And now Louis, who's also a rescue from Turkey, and he's probably about one and a half, and he's a complete demon so he's uh, we're trying to train at the moment so yes our jigsaw might be a bit tricky this year mm. yeah we actually have we actually have four dogs jp because um we also have a border terrier at the moment called pookie oh and pookie pookie is the dog of of joe oh. and his fiance andrea and um they're living they've been living with us for a couple of months because they're trying to buy a flat and they had to move out of their rental and so we have four dogs. I tell you, it's a madhouse. And he will definitely destroy the puzzle. So I've got to be very, very careful. Uh, 2,000 pieces, just ridiculous. But that, that's you, Claire, though, isn't it? Down to a D. <laughs> 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 I, well, all I can say is uh, happy Christmas to you, Claire. Thank you very much. And, your, and to you. And to your wonderful family. And to all our listeners, thank you for so much for listening this year. And to all the podcasts and for send it continually to sending in your comments and your questions for future pods all the complicated ones as you will probably know i send over to claire in fact all the flute playing ones i always send over to claire um but she takes it with grace and occasionally will fling one back and say you can answer that but uh, thank you so much for listening uh, this year we're back with our new year podcast on monday the 3rd of january aren't we claire we are. Uh, and I'd also just like to reiterate the things you're saying. Thank you to all listeners. And thank you to you, JP, for enabling us to keep this podcast going. It's so enjoyable. And I wish you a very happy holidays and all our listeners a very happy festive time. Oh, that's so kind of you, Claire. Take care, everybody. Happy Christmas. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.